Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, Assistant Pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is Pastor Justin Cooper coming today from the KNVBC studio at the North Valley Baptist Church here in Santa Clara, California. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today, and what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. Today, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to start a brand new chapter in our Bible study through the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to move out of chapter number 6, and we're going to move into chapter number 7. I have enjoyed what God has given us so far in these opening six chapters, and Paul has given us much instruction and uh, much exhortation, some warnings to follow, some principles to apply to our life, and uh, we'll find more of the same here in chapter number seven. Now, in chapter number seven, Paul is going to be dealing with, yet again, another problem in this church in Corinth. Now, you probably think, well, you know, that that our church is the only church with problems. Every church is going to have some problems in it because every church is made up of people. And those people that come in, they bring their baggage, they bring their issues, they bring their trouble, they bring their problems with them into the church. And so don't go looking for the perfect church. You'll never find it. And if you ever find it and join it, you're going to ruin it. So just stay away. And uh, every church has some issues. But this church seemed to have its more than fair share of issues. Paul has to deal with immaturity and immorality and division, folks going to a law with one another, suing each other. I mean, all of this mess taking place in this church. Now, Corinth would have been located not too far from the city of Athens, and Athens was a very progressive place, a place of sin, a worldly place, a a place of philosophy, and uh, things of that nature. And because of that, some of that had infiltrated and trickled into the the lifestyle, the mindset, the worldview of those in Corinth, and even those who were saved. They still had a little bit of trouble severing themselves from worldly wisdom, and Paul dealt with that in the opening chapter or two of this letter. But here in chapter number 7, let's begin reading here in verse number 1. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for man not to touch a woman. So Paul is now going to be dealing with things pertaining specifically uh, to marriage and things of that nature. So let's see what he says, verse 2. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication. Now he's dealt with that in the previous chapter, that we're to avoid that and stay away from it. Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So Paul is laying out some uh, principles here. God has provided for us in the Bible the right way, the proper way to do things. And any kind of temptation and any kind of need that you say you have in the physical realm, you can meet that with a godly standard, a godly way. And he's laying that out here in these verses. So it's apparent that some in the church at Corinth had written Paul and they had questions about the the relationship between men and women in the church. And his counsel was, it's good for man not to touch a woman. Now that's 
obvious. I mean, there's flagrant immorality. There was outright uh, immorality happening in this church. So that's just the basic. That's just the the starting point there. Paul lays the foundation and says, that's where I'm, I'm just going to start there. He said, that's the best. That's the way you go about it. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. And by the way, you ought to treat people with respect, not just in this area of life, but in every area of life. And you ought to treat a lady like she's a lady. And uh, you ought to treat uh, your fellow man with some respect. And that's just a basic principle of decency and character and of Christianity. So we uh, have this principle laid out here in the very first verse. In verse number two, he says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication. So the goal is God has made a way for us not to sin. God has a plan. It began all the way back in the Garden of Eden. God created a man, and God saw Adam was alone. He said, it's not good for Adam to be alone, so he created for him a help meet. Not, not a slave, not a servant, not a, 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 sub, a subordinate or something like that. No, but someone who could fulfill the needs of Adam, somebody who could make up for the areas in his life that maybe he wasn't so strong. And together, they paired together, and that is God's perfect plan. It is a man and it is a woman, so God's made a way. It's through marriage, a husband and a wife, to avoid this issue of fornication. The Bible tells us in verse number 3 and verse number 4 that there is to be affection within the bonds of marriage. I think about the illustration I've heard. You've probably heard it before where a man, and I think I might have shared it with you on the radio even, a man was driving down the road in the truck with his wife, and his wife uh, looked at him and said, you haven't told me that you love me since the day we got married. He said, well, it hasn't changed. He said, if it ever changes, I'll let you know. Now, listen, that is no way to go about a marriage. I heard another story about a fellow there going down the road, and the lady said, why do you love me? And he said, because God commands me to. And she said, well, that doesn't really do much for me. It doesn't really turn me on. He said, that's okay. It doesn't turn me off either, but that's not a good way to go about a marriage. There needs to be affection within a marriage. There needs to be some I love you's and mushy stuff. You say, well, I'm not that way. Well, you got to just figure out how to get that way uh, every once in a while and just enjoy yourself. I mean, God, uh, it's God's design and, and you got to be uh, friendly with one another within the bonds of marriage, all right? And uh, verse number five and verse number six deals with that as well. Verse number five specifically deals with that uh, as well. All right, the temptation is, the temptation of a single individual is that temptation of fornication. The temptation of one who is not espoused, is not married to someone, is that temptation uh, of fornication and fulfilling the desires of the flesh. So God has designed it, a man and a woman, they get married. And within the bonds of marriage, there are things that are perfectly normal and acceptable and a blessing that comes with marriage that is not meant for those who are uh, single and outside of the bond of marriage. All right, verse number five, at the end of the verse, this powerful statement, it says, uh, it says uh, give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. And that's the, that's the issue there. Satan will lay a snare. So God has made a provision in that manner. Paul has been dealing with immorality in this church, and we know the main issue of immorality in this church was one that's uh, hard to even speak about, where a, a son is having a relationship apparently with a step mother, something so base and something so out there that it's hard to even discuss. So Paul is giving them some instruction in the opening part of this chapter. Verse number six, but I speak this by permission and not of commandment, for I would that all men were even as I myself. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. And I think what Paul's referring to there is the fact that Paul 
was not married. Paul is talking about uh, his domestic life. He, at this point in his life, as he wrote this letter, did not have a wife at home. Then that enabled him to do what he did for God. He traveled extensively. He never hung his hat in one spot for very long. And Paul was busy preaching. And Paul preached sometimes, um, not not in the wrong way, but what seemed like with reckless abandon. It wasn't reckless, but Paul preached with such fervency and courage and conviction. He didn't worry about losing his head. He wasn't worried about being marked for the cause of Christ. He just went and followed the will of God and preached, whether it be a king or a common man. He didn't care what it would cost. He didn't care if it was prison or if it was being put to death. He just preached. And I think part of that uh, enabling in Paul's life came from the fact he didn't have a wife at home. He didn't have children at home. He was sort of a, a, a free agent, if you will. He, he was a maverick. He was out there preaching the gospel, and he was unhindered. And Paul said, I wish all men could do that, because he said, maybe then you'd have some more fervency and some more fight and some more uh, backbone about you. You get entangled with the cares of this life. But he's not saying it's a sin. Say amen right there for you to get married. You ought to. That's God's design, and that's God's plan, and that's what he even says. He said, every man hath his proper gift of God. Everybody has a different will of God for their life. Where you and I will get into trouble, especially this happens with, 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 with people who are of age to be married and aren't married, you start judging your, st- your life by the life of others, and you think, I've got to have this by this day in my life, by this year of my life, and if I don't have that, then obviously I'm not as blessed, and I'm not in the will of God, and I, I want what they have and not satisfied with what God gave you, but you've got to understand you're not them and they're not you, and God has a plan for your life. And maybe somewhere down the road, God will provide you with the right mate. God will give you a husband. God will give you a wife. But if he hasn't up to this point, then serve God. God has a plan for you. You've been given that proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that manner, and there's a reason for it. Maybe God's got a design for you to go to a mission field, and he knows what's best, or God has a plan for you to be an evangelist, and he knows what's best, or God's desire for you is to work uh, uh, some kind of a, a bus route or a mechanic job or maybe something else, and God knows what's best, and in his time, he might give you whatever that is. He does want to give us the desires of our heart, but until then, you just press on and fulfill the will of God with where God has placed you in this life. So the principles today is this. God has made a way for us to avoid that sin of fornication. You say, what is it? It is marriage. There's nothing else. Outside of that, it is. That's the only way to avoid it. It is marriage. But if you're listening to me today and you're like Paul and you don't have a spouse, serve God. God has given you the ability. You don't have to worry about some stuff that maybe those married folks have to deal with and worry about and serve God and wait on God and trust God. Until next time, pray with me for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper, assistant pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.